Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As usual, I'm one of your two co-hosts, Matthew, and joined with me today is... The other co-host, Michael, and uh, quite a lot's been going on in sports. Uh, all three three of the four uh, major North American uh, male sports leagues are up and running, mm-hmm. and that's pretty exciting. If you're, if you're a sports fan, of course. And March Madness just recently finished, too. Oh, yes, we have to get that um, March Madness and talk. I think we could start right off the top. I mean... That was crazy, and you told me that you actually won one of your bracket challenges. Yeah, my first ever <laughs> bracket challenge for March Madness, and I came out on top. <laughs> it's funny enough, I'm not a huge uh, college basketball guy, so I wasn't I wasn't feeling too confident with my picks, but somehow I uh, did, did not pay attention at all throughout the entire tournament, and I ended up winning by just 10 points. That is awesome. Did you have Baylor winning at all? Yes, I did. Man, that's that's crazy. That's 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 awesome. Uh it was it was a great tournament, like and there were so many um so many huge moments and I think a huge shout out to Gonzaga as well. Um <laughs> that was a crazy run by them, but of course Baylor ended up taking it all. The the final four was insane. Absolutely, yeah. Gonzaga came so so close to uh the perfect season, but mm-hmm. uh B- Baylor who I I don't think was this their first ever uh March Madness title. I have to double check that. On the male side, that is on the male mm-hmm. side. I, I think the women's team uh, did win. Let me check that. Um, let me see. Yeah, I think this is their first for the for their men's uh, basketball program. I think it's their first uh, NCAA tournament championship. So that's crazy. That's pretty crazy. I know. I think they've been, mm-hmm. been doing this for for a while too. So that's insane. Yeah, and I think. Um, especially for Gonzaga, I think this, uh, this really also, if for both teams, it really indicates, you know, both are true powerhouses now in college basketball, mm-hmm. both programs. Yeah. Gonzaga already was, but Baylor especially has made a name for themselves, a huge name for themselves. Of course, we have to talk about the women's side, uh, for their, for their tournament, uh, Stanford, uh, continues their dominance over uh, the women's college basketball side mm-hmm. they beated arizona so congrats to them honestly both tournaments were pretty exceptional i gotta say but if you had to pick which one you you thought was more enjoyable to watch which one would you choose i honestly found the women's one very enjoyable i think but yeah you know, like you said both sides uh had some really great moments and uh, it's hard to choose absolutely yeah like uh from as a whole, I definitely agree with you. The women's tournament blew it out of the waters, but uh, just in terms of a strong finish, uh, the men's side uh, did deliver uh, mm. in the final four and in the championship game. So give credit where credit's due. Both tournaments did very well, and I hope more to f- more love is given to the women's tournament next year because it's pretty clear that the competition, the quality of basketball is just as good, if not better, than the men's side. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was a great, and it was a great tournament to see because – Obviously, with the pandemic going on, I mean, last year this time we didn't even have, we didn't get to have the uh, NCAA tournament, and um, it's good to see that they were able to pull it together. Yeah, one of the big crimes was uh, not getting to watch last year, but for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, we'll get uh, right back into the swing of the episode. Um, this is what the sixty-fourth episode or the fourteenth episode of the se- second season for our podcast um how things been going i know it's been the same i'm pretty sure it's been the same for us both just working just um just kind of chilling but uh i know 
I don't know. As of today, there's news that Ontario might be going to lockdown again. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it's just it's crazy uh, how th- how things have deteriorated in Ontario uh, for COVID nineteen. There's so many variants going around. Uh, people are going out, maybe not fully uh, respecting the rules of social distancing. So it's kind of makes sense that we're going into the third lockdown in three in in, in a calendar year. Meanwhile, the United States is uh, mo- a lot of people are starting to get the vaccine. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I just can't wait for the vaccines to roll out here <laughs> a little quicker. Um, but yeah, we'll see how things go. Hopefully, the numbers start decreasing. Other than that, has anything else been up for you? Uh, any games? Uh, honestly, I don't have any new games. I put it down on our little rundown there. Um, but yeah, I haven't really played much games that are different from last week. This week, I think I mentioned last week that uh, I've been getting back into Overwatch. Uh, mm-hmm. I might be wrong in in that, but if I didn't, didn't, yeah, that's the game I'm back into at the moment. Uh, the one thing is though, I I'm still looking for that PS5. <laughs> the search has uh, been coming up short time and time again. Every time I I look on uh, the PS5 stock website or just look on wherever. It just it's either not available or like I just missed uh, the uh, stock drop. So it's been very unfruitful <laughs> these last few weeks. You got to keep just keep your eye out <clears throat> on those notification pages and everything. You just got to keep trying, you know. Yeah, hopefully one day uh, I do get the PS5. because I know it's not a matter of if, but when mm-hmm. it'll it'll happen. I know it. But and then we could well, we can get some games and play together for sure. <laughs> absolutely but yeah i mean other than that let's just head right into the sports of the week um i think this this week will be for sure a more straightforward episode uh it's been pretty positive in in toronto sports um we'll start off with uh the blue jays who actually started off their um regular season this week and they're off to a hard start a hot start actually yeah yeah so uh their first two games they uh opened the season with two wins um i did want to talk about uh as well what what did you think of the game against the rangers and just seeing a a crowded stadium man it was it's it's a weird sight to see i tweeted about this uh, as soon as i saw the video footage uh, of the rangers ballpark fully packed uh, it kind of felt uneasy you know yeah, it's it's, it's, it's been concerning a... at the same time yeah because like at the one hand like uh, it's another part of the world that uh, that's how they want to deal with things uh but at the same time, with COVID-19 still being a legitimate uh, problem and the World Health Organization not yet declaring the pandemic to be over, just seeing stuff like that uh, in a place where COVID is still running rampant, it, it's kind of concerning. And I mean, <clears throat> obviously, it's only, it hasn't been that long since uh, fans packed a stadium to watch uh, sporting events. Uh, it's, only, it's only been a little over a year since that's happened. But to just see it now, while we're still in the middle of a pandemic, just it's just felt weird. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, it definitely has felt weird, and yeah, I mean, this is kind of the new, the new norm, I guess. Or I guess mm-hmm. it's it's the weird new norm, and going back to the old norm is going to be weird, and it's so weird seeing. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've been uh, the Blue Jays. They've been playing really well. Like uh, from there, right now, they're three and two. Um, they won their first series against the Yankees, uh, two games to one. And now they are finishing off today, actually their second series with, uh, the Rangers. 
um, and currently they it's one game apiece. But it was a pretty convincing win uh, against the Rangers as well. And I just want to know, uh, just it's a short sample size. The season just started, but after like one week, what is your, uh, I guess, impression on the Blue Jays so far? Definitely impressed so far. They uh, they definitely made the Yankees fans uh, pretty pissed uh, during that first series because uh, <laughs> I guess the best uh, compliment that they could give to to the Blue Jays is that they're very annoying. They won't go away. So that's up. That's a good sign. Um, remember how we were saying back back when we started the podcast in 2020, we were thinking 2021 was going to be the year uh, that the Jays would start their contention window. Mm-hmm. They're a I year mean, ahead super, of it. No, obviously they're a year ahead of it, but it's looking like that's uh, that's starting to look true to the to those words. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. The season's still incredibly young. It's hard to make a full assessment of how the team is doing after five games and with the sixth one still yet to be played. Uh, but I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Jays so far. Mm-hmm. I am too. Um, there have been a few players who who's impressed you so far. I gotta say, Marcus Semyon has been uh, mm. uh, playing exceptionally well. Like we knew that 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 he had this in him because he was only recent, like only two seasons ago, playing at a high level for the Oakland A's, and uh, had a had a had a down year last season. Um, his numbers uh, were not up to the standard that he showed, uh, at least in twenty from seasons past. So he's off to a good start in uh, Toronto. He's already had two homers, uh, four RBIs. And I'm, I'm I'm liking his defensive play. He made some solid defensive plays uh, in his in the Yankees series. So if he keeps this up, this is going to be a solid get uh, for the infield. And the thing I love to see is uh, how George Springer fits in all this because he has yet to make his Blue Jays debut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Marcus Semyon has impressed me as well. I mean, he hit what a two run homer just the uh, the other night uh, or the other day. And um, yeah, I mean, for a one year kind of low risk. Uh, uh, acquisition it's definitely seems to be paying off so far and uh definitely there's a lot of potential in that pickup there um yeah george springer you know uh we haven't been able to see much of him yet but there's a lot of hype around him so we'll just wait and see how that uh what we get from that and then uh vlad vladdy jr has been playing well as well um do you think he'll break out this year he's definitely looking like over the, the player that uh Blue Jays fans were hoping he would be uh, when when he when he came onto the scene in 2019. 2020 was a bit of a sophomore slump, I think, for him. Uh, just trying to get adjusted to uh, major league baseball play, like from an offensive standpoint, that is, and mm-hmm. still trying to find his footing uh, in uh, the defensive side of things. But he's uh, he started he's starting to look like himself uh, this season. Uh, the numbers are very impressive. I, didn't he have a home run? Uh, yeah. Was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah, a couple days ago. He did. And, I mean, we saw it during his offseason. Like, he had a huge offseason. He worked hard. Uh, I think he dropped, uh, I don't know the exact number, but he dropped some weight, uh, worked on that, um, just just getting his body ready for the season. And I think uh, he's ready. Like, he has shown, especially this offseason, that he's ready to make that push forward in his career. Um, mm-hmm. So, if any year was going to be his breakout year, I really think this year is the year that he himself is uh, kind of designating as one that he wants to uh, use to take that next step forward. I'm really hoping that it's this year because I actually have him on my fantasy team uh, for baseball. <laughs> so I, I, extra pressure, buddy. Nope. No, uh, don't, don't let me down. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a short 
sample size so far, just a week, but the Blue Jays are looking good. And like we said, um, in terms of contention, I, I do think the Blue Jays can contend for a playoff spot, like, you know, uh, most likely a wild card spot, um, similar to last season. They are ahead of their rebuild. They're, uh, um, their development, all these players are developing really well. Bo, Vladdy, all them. Uh, um, so I think this season, it's going to bring a lot of good things. Don't, you know, don't expect a World Series title yet, but I think in the whole development um, arch of contention, they are definitely ahead of schedule. Absolutely. And one thing I'm looking forward to the most is uh, the starting rotation. Uh, there's been some promising uh, pieces and Tanner Rorick uh, being Tanner Rorick, who should not be on the OJs anymore. <laughs> After you saw what we saw what happened last night, right? He had a pretty disappointing outing. And mm. part of the reason why he's uh, even in the rotation to begin with is because there's been a few key injuries, most notably Nate Pearson, who should be in the starting rotation, no question about it. But if there's one thing that gives me solace, is that uh, Steven Matz looks pretty promising. Uh, he had a really good outing against the Rangers in the in the in the tune-up game, in the first game of this series. He'll we'll get another chance to see him on Saturday, I think. And TJ Zook uh, also looks like he could have some promise. But again, Tanner Rourke needs to go. That's all I have to say about the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing we were I was going to bring up was uh, the batting order. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen George Springer in action yet, but. Where would you place him in the batting order? I think, I don't know. I feel like it's too early to call when it's still, those things are still being worked out, of course. But where would you put him? Well, he's had some success being the uh, the first guy in the lineup. Uh, he did that with the Astros, and he's had some uh, offensive success. So that's definitely something that the Blue Jays can consider. But Semyon's also been playing pretty well as the, the first guy in the rotation. So if uh, they want to keep Semyon there, I think... Th- Springer could definitely go the the four, three, four, or five, depending on what they want. Um, but yeah, my my guess is that either he's either the first guy or he's a uh, number four or five. Okay, yeah, I, I was I was gonna say the first guy. Um, especially, I think uh, like you said, he has uh, he has had experience uh, uh, there, and I think starting the lineup off pretty strongly would be a good uh, way. I know the. Blue Jays have a lot of good uh, hitters right now, and, and it's just kind of getting – it's improving their uh, batting order uh, more and more. So I think that's something they'll work out, but we'll see how it goes. I'll say this. It's a good problem to have so many quality batters in your lineup. Oh, uh, yeah. Something they haven't had in, in seasons past. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, uh, yeah, Blue Jays season is underway, and we have plenty of baseball to watch uh, for the rest of the summer. Um, but moving along, we'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs now and, and some hockey talk. Um, kind of sandwiched in the middle here. Uh, they've been they've been playing well. What is there now on a four game? Is a four game win streak? Something like that, yeah. But I think it's like they've won check. six of their past seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have turned things around. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, the Leafs kind of uh, slumping a little, but it's great to see that they turned it around. And um, that's something we've actually talked about a couple of weeks ago. Was you know. We need to see consistency from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they need once they turn around, they need to keep it consistent. And they have been keeping it consistent. Of course, today they uh, faced the Montreal Canadiens um, tonight, so they're going to look to keep that win streak going. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about. I think the biggest hole still is, or the biggest issue that the Leafs have is uh, goaltending. Um, yeah, in a couple ways. So it is an issue because 
uh, Freddie Anderson's still out. Jack Hamble's still not 100%. Uh, Michael Hutchinson is backing him up right now. Um, but I did want to say, even though Jack Campbell's not 100%, he's been impressive. He's been very impressive. And how many how many wins in a row has he gotten? I think he's basically... Has he lost a game this season? A game that he started? Not not yet. He's mm. gone 9-0 and to this point. Uh, and it's I think it's tied for the longest uh, winning streak uh, for Leaf goalie yeah, see, in like, team history. That's insane. And to think he's... He's technically not a hundred percent. Um, he's he kind of has to play because Freddie Anderson's out as well, so they kind of had to pull him out. Not not a hundred percent yet. Um, and we talked about this last week. The need for maybe another goaltender. We'll get into that talking mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, yeah, I I honestly think this is Jack Campbell's starting spot for this season now. Um, he's definitely I, I would consider he stole even when Freddie Anderson comes back. It's gonna be hard to kind of just give it up to Freddie Anderson um once again and jack campbell like it's just impressive like he was picked up as a backup goaltender and he's playing like a starter right now and he possibly has the potential to be a starter so that's nice to see i definitely think the the leafs thought uh, jack campbell could be more than just what he's what he was in la Mm -hmm. as the backup they 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 think he has starting potential in him so it's a good thing to give him start to ease him into that role because it's sounding like Freddie is not coming back after the end of the season. And who knows what happens with Michael Hutchinson. So if you think that Jack Campbell is going to be the guy going forward, you may as well just start to ease him into that role. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, with Michael Hutchinson, yes, he's been playing well, exceptionally better than he did last season. He's still a wild card at the end of the day. You never know what you're going to get out of him. So it wouldn't make a lot of sense for at least to look for a backup goalie if the price is right. If it's not, then you just you just roll the dice and hope that Hutchinson can play well. But there mm-hmm. are some intriguing options out there. Yeah, and Jack Campbell is still as much of a, a wild card um, goaltender as we can tell. You know, nine games straight uh, is great, and he's been showing he could be a starter. But um, it's still a small sample size, and we have to see how he does the rest of the season too. Um, right now, though, I'd say once Freddie Anderson comes back, the Leafs might be in a nice kind of a luxurious position of having two capable starters. Um, so that'll be nice. But like you said, if they are looking to move on from Freddie Anderson and deem Jack Campbell as the starter, um, yeah, the backup is still the question because Michael Hutchinson, we know, um, he's not the first option for a, a, a backup, a solid backup. So, um, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the, the the next topic is the trade deadline is literally right around the corner on um, Monday. And mm-hmm. who are some of your targets? Let's start with, of course, I think we talked about this last week. The biggest target is a goaltender, a backup goaltender. And who are some of those targets that you were looking at? I wrote, uh, what was it, maybe last week or something along those lines, that a uh, few goalies that might be worth pursuing are Linus Olmark, uh, Chris Drieger, and James Reimer. Mm-hmm. And we talked, about, cool- yeah, we talked about Linus Olmark last week. Uh, I think let's talk a little more about James Reimer because he's an intriguing option as well a lot of Leaf fans should know by now who James Reimer is he Mm -hmm. was the former goalie he played from 2011 to 2016 I want to say because he got traded to the Sharks uh, before at at that time he's bounced around the league a little bit um, since then but he's found some stability in Carolina uh, the last couple of years but the problem is now in Carolina, there's just too many quality goalies. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic has been playing very well. Peter Mrazek, uh, I think, is someone who they like a lot, and they're going to be playing him a lot of games. 
So somebody, something's got to give, and they don't really – they have to decide who's going to be their goalie going forward. And if James Reimer, who's a UFA at the end of the season, is not the answer, then they should try and capitalize on his value or just hold on to it and hope for the best. But if James Reimer is on the move, that would be a good, a good idea for Leeds to pursue. The only problem is, though, he's got a pretty hefty cap hit. Carolina's going to have to retain some salary. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, I think James Reimer would be a great option, but like you said, um, they'd have to retain some salary. He's still capable of being, like we've seen a lot of great starts from him uh, with Carolina, um, and Carolina is just oozing of uh, goaltending talent, so they have the like they have the room to, to trade Reimer away. Um and he would be great. He would be a solid backup goaltender. Um, he still has that talent to even start some nights. Um, and yeah, I think he would be a really good option just because of the expendability of him. We know uh, Linus Allmark would be a great choice too, but really we don't know what's going on in Buffalo, um, if they're willing to trade him off right now or what kind of package would get that deal done. But I think James Reimer is a more possible or realistic and uh, possibly cheaper alternative. Honestly, the same can be said for Chris Drieger, who's mm-hmm. the current backup for the Florida Panthers. Uh, by the way, both Carolina and Florida are near the top of the NHL, which is insane to me, by the way. And I digress, though. Uh, Florida is in a situation where they just signed their goalie of the future in Spencer Knight. I'm not too sure if he's eligible to play this season or next, but if it's this season, they're going to try and get him up ASAP. So Chris Drieger is most likely not in Florida's future plans. If they decide to try and deal him away to get some assets out of him, that would be the exact uh, scenario where you could probably just give up a a couple of draft picks. And the Leafs and Panthers uh, have some trading history going back to, what is it, 2015 when they traded Zach Hyman? for Greg McKaig and then Mason Marchman for Dennis Malgan mm-hmm. trades that I think both, both teams won in their respective, uh, whichever order you want to say, <clears throat> actually, no, at least won the Hyman trade. Uh, the Panthers seem to have won the Marchman trade pretty handily. Or, and they also have a uh, former leaf card for Heggie, which we don't need to get into. We, <laughs> we talked about, we talked about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and what I'm trying to say is that the Panthers are in a situation where they're doing exceptionally well. They could. It's not a huge need to trade away Chris Drieger just because of how well they're doing. It's kind of the same thing for Carolina, but the difference is is that they have their goalie of the future. So why not just if if their desire is to try and capitalize on his Drieger's value because he has been playing really well, I'd say that the Leafs should be all over because his cap hit is is much more reasonable. He's mm-hmm. under a million. What do you think would? What do you think it would take to get a deal done? Um, or to be asking for? Do you think? <clears throat> They would probably want to ask for a couple of draft picks and a a backup goalie to, for the rest of the season. So that would definitely be Michael Hutchinson. I would say maybe second or th- and or third, and Michael Hutchinson going going to Florida, and then you get Chris Drieger back. I think that's reasonable. I think that's actually a really good trade uh, that the Leafs should look into. I think if that's the valid like the price that you have to pay. Um, it would bring a lot more stability in net, especially given the position that the Leafs are in right now with their goaltending tandem with Freddie Anderson out. You don't know how long you might have to ride out that third string goaltender. Exactly, yeah. And it's also, you have to keep in mind for next season, uh, what's the Leafs goalies tandem going mm-hmm. to look like? 
is Joseph Wolt or Vevelinen going to be in the mix next season? I don't know. I like to say that Vevelinen gets at least a look at some point, but I don't know if he's ready yet. So if you don't have full confidence in Vevelinen's ability to play at the NHL level just yet, and Joseph Wolf still needs more time uh, to develop with the Marlies, the, the need for a backup goalie for next season becomes much more par- paramount. Oh, yeah. So it should be, the least should be, it would be a great idea to get the head start on that search now because who knows which goalies are going to be available, if they're going to even be available to begin with, and if the least will even have the cap space to get them uh, on the team. Hmm. <clears throat> I completely agree. Um, so those are some trade options for goaltending. Um, who are some other, I think we kind of talked about this last season, but who are some other targets that you think the Leafs should be targeting? I know, let's get this out of the way. Taylor Hall has been uh, one that's been talked about the most, uh, and linked to the Leafs, but do you really, do you, do you really want him or I don't know. I feel like I have mixed feelings about trying to acquire Taylor Hall. Well, Taylor Hall would be, is obviously the prize of this year's trade deadline. Uh, but the, the beauty is that he's would be at a much cheaper cost than what it would take to get a star player like him in recent years. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think a lot of Leaf fans are hopeful that they can get him. And I know some people have suggested that uh, a package of Taylor Hall and Linus Hallmark would be something the Leafs could consider because it it crosses off both things off their checklist, the need for an additional forward, plus uh, getting the backup goalie sorted out. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that's going to happen, but it's definitely worth uh, considering. Um, Alex Ayafalo has been a name that's been mentioned on and off throughout this throughout the season. Scott Lawton has also been mentioned a few times. Same with Michael Granlin. Another name though that's come up recently is Adrian Kempe, mm-hmm. who's also on the Kings like um, Ayafalo, and he would he'd be a pretty intriguing target because he can all, he can play pretty much every forward position there is. And if they want to have him as a center, that'd be an intriguing idea. I don't know if. if uh, what his cost would be, or if the Kings are even even want to trade him, because I know he's a fairly young player, only 24 years old, and when his deal expires next season, he's an RFA. But there's someone that would look pretty... Uh, he'd be a pretty nice get for the Leafs if they can get him. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, his cap hit is only, what, like $2 million a year? Um, so he's definitely affordable um, for Kempe. And uh, he would fit. he would fit pretty nicely. I think... The Leafs are really trying to trying to see they're like trying to reevaluate their need for a kind of like a, a top six a top six winger. Um, we know that hey, um, Alex Galchenyuk has been impressing so far, and could he possibly be that middle six winger that they're needing, um, or should they look for that upgrade um, somewhere else? And honestly, like yeah, I don't know. Like Taylor Hall, going back to Taylor Hall. He's definitely like the top prize, but like, you know, it, it's still, you'd probably have to give up a good amount. Um, you'd probably have to convince the Sabres to retain some salary in some way. Um, it's just, I feel like it's a very unlikely situation. Um, and it's kind of a big, big ask and a big get to go out and get Taylor Hall. Um, I think the Leafs are aiming a little lower. I think they don't think they need to go out and get the ultimate you know, the big, the big prize just to blow the roster up, um, even bigger. I think they need to kind of, they're looking for exactly what they need and they don't want to pay too much for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kempe would be a, a good option. He, I think he could fit in really nicely on the middle six in the middle six. Um, 
And but at the same time, like yeah, I think they, I think they're impressed with Alex Galchenyuk too, and they might just be really trying to reevaluate what they really want to spend going into Monday's deadline. Yeah, and the good thing is, is that the deadline is fast approaching, so we can't really be waiting much longer for something to happen. Uh, this in, in the coming days, uh, I think a lot of fans would like to see a trade happen because there's been so much talk. Nothing's really happened. The pandemic and the border has definitely played a factor, but I just think people want to see uh, just see some action. <laughs> no pun intended, but I, I think we're just at that point now where so much time has passed and we're so close to deadline. We just hope that there's some fireworks uh, in the days ahead because the last thing that we want is all this hype, all this uh, like rumor spreading, and nothing happens. Mm. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Um, do you, I'll ask you this. Do you have a strong feeling that the Leafs will make a, a move? And how big do you think that move will be? I think Kyle Dubas always wants to make a move whenever he can. Uh, how big it is, it just really depends on uh, what they really want. But I imagine that it's a significant add because this Leafs team is, we both agree, one piece away from really being a legitimate threat at the Stanley Cup, which is what I think a lot of the fans want out of the season for them to be in the conversation because they've been like in the playoff conversation for many, many years uh, since the Austin Matthews era began, but they've never really uh, done, have had any significant uh, playoff runs. Like the most recent one I could count that they actually looked like had a legitimate shot was 2019, but that didn't go anywhere. So this is the, the year to make a, a significant splash. So Kyle Davis is going to do something big. I just don't know when, and who he's going to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I completely agree. I think the whole, what you said was the whole thing is that the Leafs are literally one piece away. And I feel the same way, but I think the Leafs are definitely a value. What is that piece? And like, even I'm thinking like, what is that piece that they need that moves the needle? Because I mean, is it like a big piece like Taylor Hall? Um, yeah, he's a big, you know, star player having an off year, but at the same time, the type of player he is, is he the type of player that'll move the needle for the Leafs? Or are they looking for someone with more playoff experience? You know, there's there's a ton of different ways that you can go about it. What, what kind of player do, do the Leafs really need to get them over that hump? Um, and I think that's the big question. You know, sometimes it's not always just the biggest star player that can boost your team. Sometimes it really is someone who's a playoff performer or someone who... Like, you know, maybe that middle six forward that they've been needing. Maybe it's a depth piece that'll come clutch in the playoffs. Um, I really don't know, but, uh, you know, that's what Kyle Dubas is really looking to find out. Absolutely, yeah. And one thing that I hope to see the Leafs do at some point is get vaccinated because just breaking news in the last 10 minutes, the Rangers uh, canceled their practice today because all their players are getting vaccinated. Meanwhile, we have the Vancouver Canucks uh, who have basically the entire team uh, in quarantine because of a COVID-19 outbreak with one of the variants uh, that came from Brazil. So I, I hope that all the Canadian teams do get vaccinated at some point. The vaccine roll, as we mentioned, has been notoriously slow and notoriously uh, uh, below standard, if we mm-hmm. want to put it in, in the nicest terms possible. But yeah, I would like to see uh, some of the players get vaccinated because we're, we're, we should be close closer to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think other than that, we, 
those are pretty much our trade deadline uh, targets. Did you have any other things about the Leafs that you wanted to uh, bring up? I guess so. Uh, we should point out that the Leafs are fourth in the entire NHL right now with 55 points tied with Carolina for third. One point behind first place. So they're, there's, One they, point haven't behind. Fallen, they haven't fallen that that much since their, uh, you know, the beginning of the season. All I can really say is that the, the focus the rest of the way should just be on uh, staying the course uh, in terms of just their on-ice play. Because we know what this team is capable of. They proved uh, in their two-game series against the Calgary Flames is that they, they don't have to be at 100% to find success. Uh, they played two pretty mediocre games, I think, in, in, in that series against Calgary. Um, and they came out on top. And most importantly, they snapped the power play drought uh, in that second game. So hopefully going forward, the least power play unit uh, just finds their confidence and a monkey's off their shoulder that they can finally produce at the, at not, not the exact same level they did uh, before the slump, but like at a reasonable level that we can expect a, one of the top 10 uh, power play uh, units to produce that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So uh, I think we'll, we'll head into our last segment of the uh, episode, the Toronto Raptors and basketball talk. And honestly, we'll keep it pretty short. Um, the Raptors have been, they've been kind of shaky. They've won a couple games, but they've also had some very tough losses. Uh, the last couple uh, over, the la- over the last week. Um, I, I want to give a, a big shout out to uh, Gary Trent Jr. He's been playing great great pickup um he, he was he came here in the uh norman powell trade and he's been impressing for a 22 year old very impressive so great pickup there um pascal siakam had a great game on his birthday um and they blew out they entirely blew out the, the golden state warriors uh on friday um 130 to 77 i believe that was the franchise record for the biggest uh defeat i think it was like yeah over 50 points so um pretty pretty insane stuff uh that the Raptors have been doing this week, but on the same on the same side, they also suffered a, a loss to the Thunder and a, a pretty unfortunate loss to the Lakers last night. So I want to know, uh, like, what what do you think is their focus now? The season is winding down. Um, are they like? I still feel like the question of are they trying to make the playoffs or are they tanking? I still think that's in in question. And we talked about this during the trade deadline when they decided to keep Kyle Lowry. We said they have to make that decision of what direction are they going in. And do you think they've made that decision or do you think it's still up in the air? Well, I think up in the air might be a bit of a stretch just because of the position the Raptors are in right now. They are 11th in the Eastern Conference at a record of 20 and 31. The current eighth seed, the Boston Celtics, has a five-game advantage over them. And for the Raptors to even get to the to the conversation of being in the playoffs race, they need to not only go on a lengthy winning streak, but they just cannot afford any mistakes the rest of the way. Yeah, last night was a pretty uh, solid uh, effort in terms of just playing against one of the top teams, the, the Lakers, and just team bonding. I think is growing because Gary Trent Jr., like you said, had a made a pretty nice uh, did like stood up for his teammate uh, during a scrum after the whistle, but. And just in terms of this season, it's just hard for me to feel fully confident in the team's chances of the playoffs just because of those two lengthy losing streaks to start the year have put them in a in a hold now. And I don't know if they'll be able to recover from it mm-hmm. in time. Let's not forget, um, they are the NBA is doing the play-in tournament this season for up to the 10th, 10th place. So the 9th and 10th place, uh, whoever uh, in the East and the West are the 9th and 10th place teams. 
they can still battle it out for uh, the last uh, playoff spot. Um, so, you know, uh, it's 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 kind of weird how they're doing it. Honestly, it's pretty complicated. But I think the Raptors are trying to gun for that um, that spot at least, or they're trying to at least make it. They're like you said, they're eleven. But at the same time, it's it's a very hard ch- chance to even make it into the playoffs at that point. Um, and to go far. So that's when you really have to reevaluate your your position, right? Yeah. And on paper, the Raptors still have a good enough team that they could be in the playoffs uh, at this point. But we're just, it's just, there's just too much inconsistencies. The COVID outbreak just hurt them really hard. And I don't know if they can pass one of Chicago or the Pacers because the, the Bulls made, made the move at the deadline. Was it Vukovic? Hmm. Yeah, because they they figured that he could be a great ad for not only this season but for seasons down the line, and I think they have the intention of trying to make it to the play-in round where they have a shot at being one of the seventh, the seventh or eighth seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, like if this Raptors team is good enough to even make it past one of those two teams. Yeah, uh, like I said, all, all I can really say is that they just need to string together wins because time is running out. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the whole play-in situation definitely plays into kind of making it a little more realistic for the Raptors to possibly make the playoffs or at least make a playoff push because technically playoffs a playoff spot can go all the way down to the 10th seed possibly and the Raptors are right at 11 but like you said the Bulls are right there and they are they're playing very well the Pacers as well are a very good team and the Raptors have not looked as like you know on that same level for a while they're a very unpredictable team right now um the East is very close but when it comes down to that, you got to think about how can they, how will they do in, in, in playoff situations, uh, in a play in tournament even situation. And if, you know, I feel like the season's dwindling down and they could really have to make that decision. But for me, I don't know. I think, I think at this point you just kind of roll with it, try to make that 10 seed, but just hope for a lottery odds at this point, just hope that the lottery comes through. Here's what I will say too. If the Raptors do somehow make it to the play-in round and somehow make it out of the play-in round, you are the seventh or eighth seed, and your opponent is going to be one of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Tell me confidently, how do you feel the Raptors would stack up against those two teams? Because I don't know if they would win mm-hmm. that playoff series. I agree, and that's where you have to think. Like, is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? Like, I'm not saying don't try, because, you know, technically you're not supposed to not, like fully tank like that, but... And the trade deadline's passed, so you can't really trade away more assets. But you really got to think, what is the direction and, and what is the perspective on their season? Uh, you know, I feel like the the, the Raptors uh, are kind of taking a more laid-back approach right now, and we'll just have to see how it goes. I'll say this. If you really think that this Raptors team can compete for a championship, which I don't, then you try. But... Mm-hmm. I think you just have to embrace the anomaly of this season, uh, just how strange everything was and the fact that it was only 72 games instead of 82, and just go for a, a, a lottery ball because I think that might be in the Raptors' best interest because I think this this team uh, can do much better next season with uh, hopefully everyone fully healthy, the team in Toronto, and, and maybe a top 10, top 15 pick on their team added. Mm-hmm. For sure. We'll have to see. And we, I like, even going to that, like, even if it's not a top pick, a top pick would be 
really helpful. But the Raptors have amazing development. Just imagine what they do with the top 10 pick, right? They haven't had a top 10 pick in years, but they uh, they were able to turn OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, uh, players like that into Fred Van Vliet into, uh, you know, into players that are, you know, you could look at them and think they'd be top 10 lottery picks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but moving on, uh, I guess you, you put this question here, but do you think this season's an anomaly or do you think it's the actual start of a sharp decline? And I'll give my answer first. And I honestly do think it is the start of a sharp decline. Maybe not sharp. I think sharp is putting it too harshly, I think, but the Raptors are definitely declining. We knew, we knew this when they lost both Sergi Bach and Marcus all last season. Um, we know Kyle Lowry's, uh, status as a Raptor is still up in the air and you're losing the core at that point. So of course it's going to be a decline. You're going to decline when you lose your core. That's just, that's just how it is. Um, you could retool and bring in new pieces like they are with, you know, Gary Trent jr. Who's been playing great. Um, but for the most part, it is a decline and we'll have to wait a little bit of, uh, we'll have to wait some time while they retool and try to, um, you know, rise again. I agree that they need to do a re- focus on a retool of the roster, but I don't think that this season is the beginning of the end uh, for this Raptors team because at the end of the day, they still have a lot of quality pieces. Uh, Van Fleet is still here. Siakam is still here. OG is still here. They added Gary Trent Jr. at the deadline, and I think that'll be a great get for them uh, down, down the line. And if they miss the playoffs this season, they have a top 10, top 15 pick at worst and maybe a top 5 pick at best joining the team for next season on paper. That's already a better looking team than they had this season. And the season, the team, the season before made it to game seven of the second round. Yes. They lost two of the pieces that were on the team back then are no longer there. Actually three of them are no longer there, but it's still, that's still a team that's good enough to make it to the playoffs. So to say that the Raptors are like on the the beginning of the end is here. I don't think it's fully that Mm -hmm. as long as Masai Ujiri is with the team and, that, of course, will determine the direction of the team going forward. But if he remains on the team for next season and they get how they keep these guys on board and they get a top pick uh, at the draft, that's a team that could get right back into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, we'll definitely have to see what, of course, next season brings. Uh, we can't predict the future here, but yeah, that's that's for sure a possibility as well. And I want to talk about, finally, uh, last night's loss against the Lakers. Um, some pretty crazy stuff went down. Uh, did you see o- OG Ananobi take down Dennis Schroeder? Um, pretty crazy <laughs> WWE style. Um, it's been memed. It's been it's been all over Twitter, honestly, and Instagram, and yeah, that was pretty crazy. But um, I mean, we've we've pretty much already talked about this team identity going forward. But do you think last night's loss plays into that at all? I definitely think that the team bonding is going off to a good start. Uh, and the fact that Gary Trent Jr. Like, had, he had that pretty big fight uh, uh, like uh, after during the scrum. So that should just tell you that the team really likes each other and that Gary Trent Jr. is fitting right in. Mm-hmm. So his status on the team going forward is uh, very much secure. I think that the guys uh, in the locker room probably really like him now after that. Oh, yeah, and... Gary Trent Jr. has been fitting in so well. I know he's even talked about um, how he feels so much love by Toronto Raptors fans already. Uh, they've been sending him DMs, and he can't wait to get back here in Toronto and actually play in front of the home crowd. Um, and 
let's be honest, like he is playing great and he's only 22. I've said this a lot of times, but he's going to be part of the core. Like he, I think that's what they're setting him up for uh, being a part of the upcoming core for the the Raptors. Um, not just a bench piece, not just a, you know, uh, a six man or anything. I think he will be a starter. Um, and I think that's Masai's plan. And of course, as part of retool, that's the, those are the kind of players you want to go for is are the young players who also can still already start or already play very well. Um, so I think it, it's great to see them getting along and it's great to see Gary Trent Jr. already, uh, already fitting in, but yeah, that's like a little glimpse into the Raptors future core. Exactly. And I think, uh, <clears throat> that should tell you, uh, the Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a fan. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Once, uh, the Raptors can return to Toronto, he's going to get, he's going to get a large, uh, like no, like let's crowd's going to go nuts whenever he does something, uh, offensively. I, I honestly do think that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing that Norman Powell was like, Norman Powell was loved by the fans. Uh, every time he did, he stepped up. Uh, everyone was so happy. Oh, yeah. So I think uh, it's it's kind of like the passing of the torch. Like one fan favorite goes out the door, another one steps in. So couldn't have worked out any better. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a great piece that they picked up, and and we're just seeing how the team meshes and what's what's to come for their future. But that, Raptors, they won a championship. Uh, we'll just have to see how things plan out play out for the next couple of years um i think we'll end the episode off there i think we covered pretty much all the bases there yeah one thing we did forget to mention uh during the blue jays talk was uh ross atkins uh signed mm-hmm. a five-year extension uh mm-hmm. just this morning with the... yeah yeah i think it's definitely the right call in in the sense that uh Ross, like, he's been part of the reason why the jays are where they are right now um, do you agree that it should have been five years or do you think it should have been shorter? Um, I think five years is okay. Uh, he has definitely, like we said, he's accelerated this rebuild and you want, when you have a rebuild that's developing at this pace and it's going, it's only trending upwards. You kind of want to s- allow the GM to see it through, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, uh, the, the vision that the Blue Jays upper management has had, uh, since 2016, that both Ross Atkins and uh, crap, crap. I can't remember the other guy's name. Oh, uh, Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shapiro. That both Atkins and Shapiro have had uh, since they joined the Blue Jays. They've been pretty consistent to that, and we're finally starting to seeing the uh, the rem- like the fruits of their labor starting to pay off. <clears throat> so I think it's good that they want to keep that vision going for the next five years. Um, and yeah, I think it, that's something that. The, Blue Jays fans should be excited about, especially if this season proves to be a season of contention for the team. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, so that will wrap things up uh, for this week. Um, as uh, usual, we'll say, uh, you know, you can follow us on our on our podcast. Twitter actually is at behind the net pod on Twitter. Um, always check that. Keep those notifications on because that's when we uh, publish our uh episodes first and then you can follow me on twitter at matt underscore rodrigo underscore you can follow me on twitter at the leafs imo and uh new episodes should be once a week i think we're we're gonna stick to the once wednesday episode mm-hmm. recordings we'll so. see how our schedules plan out i mean uh ontario is possibly going into lockdown so we'll see how that plays into our schedules how that might free up time or you know change things up so we'll see 
and lots of looking forward to as well. Uh, playoff races uh, for the NBA and NHL are, are, are right around the corner, and the MLB season is well underway. And of course, uh, women's sports too is uh, doing its thing and uh, keeping us excited for all things sports. For sure. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with that, we'll catch you guys next week. Adios.